Dan Gibson, we strive to educate our clients and the public on finer aspects of risk. For this podcast, BOR stands for Brothers of Risk. Chip and Ted Gibson will dive into important topics on risk management, personal and commercial insurance, employee benefits, HR consulting, and what's going on at DG. We will try to translate the complicated contract and policy-laden insurance world into pragmatic advice, all while bantering as brothers and partners at Delane Gibson. Hello and welcome back to the next episode of BOR, Brothers of Risk. This week, it's just me, Chip Gibson, CEO, Delane Gibson. Um, We're focusing in on a really specific topic this week, so Ted is not joining us. But uh, have no fear, you'll still learn something and maybe have a few jokes in there. But I uh, hope you had, hope you listened to last week's episode where we discussed the role of the agent. That's when Ted, Professor Lunn, and myself went over the seven ways that, uh, what you should expect from your agent. From helping you navigate the complexity of risk and insurance to motivation educating you on and bringing clarity around risk, risk awareness, trends, better ways to buy insurance, um, how we help you mitigate, how we challenge you to think differently about risk, and how we advocate you to the insurance underwriting community, as well as connect you to, uh, to potential business relationships or service providers that, that we work with. So this episode again, is going to get a little more into the details, and it might sound a little dry, but it, but have no fear, it's going to be super useful. Uh, it's really often overlooked and something that people take for granted in some degrees. So this week, we're talking about contractual risk transfer. Yep, it's not, it doesn't sound great, but getting back to bigger picture, at Delane Gibson, through the Gibson Risk Improvement Planning, we educate our clients on the five ways to manage risk. The basic one that everyone thinks about is insurance, and that's finance and assumption. So you finance insurance policies, you finance risk, and with assumption, you assume risks such as deductibles, but there's also prevention, mitigation, and transfer. So this this episode on contractual risk transfer, we're gonna go over what it is, what the components are, and how you can apply that into your day-to-day. Now, this is not just for commercial or business risk. There are many ways where this is applicable for personal risk, but I'll get into that in a little bit. So first, what is contractual risk transfer? So when you're working with partners and other parties, such as contractors, maybe you've renters, suppliers, service providers, you could potentially be held accountable for their actions or negligence. Yes, that sounds pretty bad, but that's just the reality of things. The, in, in the event of a lawsuit, they're going to go to the, to the deepest pockets or to anyone that will pay it besides them. Um, and really, so what we find is with contractual risk transfer, the best protection is to shift the risk away from your business and your personal assets to other parties. And you can draft a formal business contract, and a business contract, if it's worded properly, uh, can be legally binding in court and can help protect you and your business in the event of a loss or dispute. So I also want to note that I am not a lawyer. I don't play one on TV, 
and I am not trying to give you any advice regarding loss, so please connect with your own attorney if you have any questions. I'm just giving you some basics on risk management, not any details regarding how to do this effectively because that's that's not what we do. Um, but we certainly want to guide you on the on the basic principles of what the tenets of this risk management aspects are. So, um, getting back to you know putting together a contract, it can be kind of difficult because you really want to weigh the relationship. Oftentimes, you you don't want to have you don't want to give a contract that's super overbearing to a partner you really respect and don't want to frankly piss off. So that you got to weigh and be tactful on how to approach it. But ultimately, if you're hiring someone, you should have them sign off that anything that they cause or any negligence or any damage, bodily injury, property damage that they cause, you should not be responsible for it. And that sounds pretty basic. And that's really what we want to accomplish here on a really macro level. But, um, but I want to get into it and I'm, getting, I'm going to get into it in a little bit finer details. So, for example, on commercial insurance or commercial risk, is if you have tenants, if you are dealing with contractors, those are some situations where you are going to want a contract in place. Personal insurance, this is really overlooked. Um, But if you have an investment property, you want to have your tenants sign a contract that protects you. Uh, that protects your liability in case anything, if they cause property damage to your building or, or injure someone, you don't want to be sued. You want their insurance to be the first layer of defense. But one that's come recently that is it really doesn't come up often, but for us, it's, it's front of mind, is when you're doing renovations. So people are doing a lot of renovations right now, and the contractors are getting smart with their contracts, and they are putting in front of our clients, in front of many people, a waiver of subrogation. And so what that does is that eliminates the, the opportunity for the insurance company to go after your contractor for any damages that they could cause. So again, we'll get into more of that, uh, more of that later, but what that does is that just really limits your, your ability to purchase insurance and purchase it efficiently. It becomes way more expensive. You got to go to different companies that, you know, are, are a little more flexible, but they're, there's often less coverage and you pay, pay more for it. So again, not ideal, but jumping into it, what are the common types of contractual risk, risk transfer? There are things called indemnity provisions, additional insured provisions, and waivers of, waivers of subrogation. So I've kind of highlighted a little bit of those already, but I'm going to get into those in a little more detail. For example, indemnity provisions. Now, I am not going to get too into the weeds on this one. But essentially, this is is this indemnity provisions transfer risk through an agreement made by one party to indemnify or make whole, defend or hold harmless another party. These provisions are commonly used to formalize how all of the parties involved in a contract will divide risk and liability between each other. It often includes specifics on the duration of the risk transfer, the monetary limits on compensation, and specific scenarios in which the indemnity provision applies. So there are, there are three main types of indemnity provisions. Not going to talk about that, but there's limited, intermediate, and broad. 
But um, essentially, you agree on what limits are at stake and and how that works out between both parties before something goes bad. So example could be, you know, a company has a holiday party. Things got crazy in the dance floor. People are hanging from the chandelier and the chandelier falls. People got hurt. Well, if the company sued the place where they rented the space from because they said they oh, the, the chandelier was faulty and, and should have been able to hold a 200-pound person hanging from it, um, the the if you were if you had an indemnity agreement in the contract, this would already define the terms of, of what's at stake, and really you know, speeds up this process, and likely would have it be thrown out in court because the indemnity provision would um, would say it didn't need to go to court. So anyway, make sure you got indemnity agreements with your with your contracted parties because that can really limit the liability um, if anything should go wrong. Next piece, additional insured. And this this one's really important. This one um, kind of goes hand in hand with the indemnity provisions. Additional insured um, is a form of risk transfer that allows one party to obtain insurance coverage under another party's policy. The party that's added as an additional insured then has direct access to the insurance policy without having to pay any premiums or deductibles. Now, these provisions protect a party that may be exposed to risks that result from the named insured or named policyholder's operations. Additionally, because insurance policies often provide broader coverage than the specifics written into indemnity provisions, using both additional insured provisions and indemnity provisions can provide a form of backup risk transfer. Um, Then, if an indemnity agreement is found to be unenforceable for any reason, an additional insured may provide coverage by making a claim under the named insurance policy. So that's important. You really want to be an additional insured for on anyone's policy that will give it to you. Um, so, and there's a lot of factors that go into it. There's a lot of factors that trigger coverage that don't trigger coverage, and it's really policy specific. So I don't want to get into that right now. Just contact your Delan and Gibson rep because they'll be able to walk you through your specific policy. For example, some will give you a blanket additional insured if it's required by contract. So if there's a contract in place, you're all set. Other ways, other times it's not. So don't take anything for granted uh, from this podcast, but really just check in with your rep and make sure that uh, what you have is, is appropriate for your situation. Now, the last one I want to talk about was waiver of subrogation. So you may or may not have heard the term subrogation, but subrogation is the legal ability to use the rights of another when resolving debt. So what that in English, that means when, when something goes wrong, your insurance company is going to pay for things up front and they're going to get you fixed up, made whole. And once everything's all said and done, the person that's actually responsible, the, the party that's actually responsible for it. If they have insurance, your insurance company will then subrogate or sue the party that could be resp- that's actually responsible. So your insurance company will get paid back and made whole. So it's really nothing besides their time that was spent on on settling the claim. Um, but it's really you know things the, the 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 party that ultimately did it was responsible for it was negligent whatever the situation was ends up paying for it. So 
you really want to make sure that um, that these are in place. And if you waive the right to subrogation, you are giving away rights. So your insurance company does not have leverage. They are going to have to pay the claim out of their own pocket and not get reimbursed for something that you did. That's bad because ultimately that's going to hurt your loss ratio. That's going to hurt your claims experience. That's just not good policy for you as an insured. So before you sign any contracts, personally, if you're building a house, if you're renoing a house uh, or, com- or with commercial risk, if you're signing any contracts, make sure this provision, make sure you are aware of what this provision says. If you're waiving subrogation, you're giving up rights, and that's that's not that's not good. I mean, sometimes it's a, if, it, if it's a deal breaker, it's a deal breaker because uh, you really want to get that contract, and you don't want to have insurance stand in the way between a contract and, and, and making money. We get it, but just we want to make sure that you know what's going on. So that's a quick and dirty of three different ways of transferring risk and liability that don't cost anything. That. Make, it might cost you something as far as getting a contract set up with an attorney, but you're not paying for an insurance policy. It's um, you know one of the five ways to manage risk that is often less expensive than insurance policy or financing risk or or um, we'll cut this part out. That is financing risk or assuming risk. So hope this was helpful. Um, it's kind of an intricate part of of risk and insurance, but we wanted to bring it to the forefront because we're, we just have so many clients running into this stuff right now that we thought it would be a really good idea to get out there. Um, and again, it's just an example of how Deland Gibson is not a commodity salesperson. Yes, we sell insurance, we sell insurance policies, but what we really do is we really advise our clients on risk. And that's a differentiator. We want to educate, advise, and tailor an appropriate risk management program to your needs. So that's what we're hoping to a little bit of what we're trying to accomplish today. Hope it was helpful. And thank you for tuning in to another episode of Brothers of Risk.